You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will be looking at two eras of Tim Drake. One will be the classic 90s 2000 Tim Drake Robin and Red Robin series, while the second will be taking a look at Tim Drake in the current era of DC Comics Rebirth and beyond, most notably Detective Comics or whatever books Tim appears in that month. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. And uh, I didn't mention it the last couple episodes. I completely forgot about it. And it's very important to us here at the BatmanUniverse.net. We're really close to having our servers uh, fully paid for with the uh, price hike that kind of got hit to us. We're a little over 70% funded. So we just kind of want to throw that out there for those of you that are listening that kind of feel called to uh, maybe uh, help in a little bit uh, monetarily to help keep the lights on here at the BatmanUniverse.net. There is some expense that does go into putting on all the podcasts and keeping up the content that all of you rely on so very much here at the BatmanUniverse.net. So anything that you want to... um, Donate to the podcast would be greatly appreciated and will go to great Batman and Robin causes here. So you can go to the BatmanUniverse.net, the little sidebar off to the side. You'll see all of the uh, different funding options that you could possibly do. So again, thanks very much. Uh, this podcast is also, also a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network. It can be found at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, which is associated with Batman on Film. So a big thanks to Batman on Film for adding us to their list of podcasts that uh, they uh, support and enjoy. Uh, you can get a hold of us a few ways at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. We're also on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. If you email into the show, we'll read your emails on the air. And we haven't got any in a little while, so maybe uh, give us a nice little email to challenge us to uh, answer some questions. Uh, you can do so at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. And uh, Terrence has started up the YouTube page, which you will hear from him in just a little bit. And you, that can be found in the just by typing into the search engine, Robin, everyone loves the Drake podcast. This is an edit into episode 44. I had recorded a video of a, my live reaction from upon reading detective comics, nine forty, And I think that's about all I have to say. Those of us, Tim Drake fans have been waiting a month to find out what's going to happen in this book. But upon editing this episode together, since this was recorded in the early part of August, uh, we had stopped at the last book that was out at the time was Detective Comics 938. So we hadn't read 939 and 940. Initially, I thought people are going to tune into this episode and they're going to want to hear our thoughts. And we haven't 
got that far yet, and I recorded about a 14-minute video. And while editing the video to, or the this podcast together, I realized it was 14 minutes long. It was making the podcast longer than what I wanted to. So this is a way maybe for you to go check out the YouTube page if you want to see and hear my reactions to this episode. And also I thought it'll be really cool to talk to Terrence one-on-one about this because this is really kind of impacts the podcast on what we're doing with the rebirth side. And I wanted to kind of have that banter back and forth. So I decided to remove the part that I initially recorded for this particular episode and maybe give you a little nugget to go over and uh, see uh, the content that I put up on uh, the Everyone Loves the Drake podcast uh, YouTube page. Or you can wait two weeks until Detective Comics 941 comes out, and then we'll have uh, three more books to talk about that'll let us, you know, kind of let everything sink into kind of what is going on with the Tim Drake character in the Rebirth. So, all that being said, thanks for tuning in to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake, and welcome to the show. One of your co-hosts, Rob Myers, and with me is my Robin brother from another mother, if I can say that correctly. <laughs> Terrence, yeah. how are you doing today, sir? Good, good. That was a tongue twister there, but yeah. good job. Yeah. So, yeah, good to be here. Thanks. And I think it's just you and I today. Wait a minute. It hasn't been just you and I for a long time, because I think, Ryan, are you here? Nope, he's not here. I I thought he was. Uh, with us, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> okay, hey, scared me there for a minute. Yeah, with us, I thought, oh, I, he pulled a, pulled the joke out from underneath me. I'm like, I'm just not going to acknowledge okay. Rob. <laughs> uh, we've got Ryan returning with us again. Uh, thank you very much, sir, for doing this again. I I feel like uh, we've just planted a third chair uh, right next to uh, Terrence and I. It kind of feels good having a, a trio. So thanks again for doing the show again, sir. Yeah, you are more than welcome, and I like that there is a chair there, and I just kind of like to sit in it, like, with my back turned, and then when you need me, I just kind of, like, turn around, I'm there, I'm like, hey, guys, (laughs) ready to to go. Awesome. Uh, Terrence, I think you've got some uh, things you'd like to discuss there, so I'm going to kick it over to you. So thanks, Rob. Um, So, yeah, since we last recorded the podcast, we've started a YouTube channel, and um, Rob was able to kind of insert a little message for it and edit that in in the the podcast, but... um, over the last couple of months or so, I've been kind of getting into YouTube and like kind of making some videos for some other things. And I kind of wanted to make a, some YouTube videos that were kind of comic book based and, and comic book videos. 
but also thought, you know, the, the podcast should have its own YouTube channel, too. So I'm going to kind of merge the two. So it's kind of like um, if you go see Axl Rose play and he calls himself Guns N' Roses, even though there's no one from Guns N' Roses except for him in it. And it's because if it was called the Axl Rose Band, five people would show up. But he calls it Guns N' Roses and you get a lot more. So that's kind of what I'm doing with the YouTube channel. I'll put stuff on there that, you know, is kind of just my stuff instead of making my own channel and coming up with some name for it or something like that. I'll just put it there um, and hopefully get a few more people check it out because they're fans of the podcast and fans of the site. Um, my goal right now for the channel is to get 100 subscribers because when you get 100 subscribers, you can um, change the name of it. So it can be, you know, youtube.com slash and we can call it, you know, you know, Robin podcast or something right now. It's some weird like numbers and letters. A three nine J four X three. Exactly. Yeah. So the easiest way to find it is just go through the Facebook page and uh, click on that. But um, hopefully Rob and I've been like spitballing some ideas and hopefully in the next few months we can um, put some cool stuff up there for everybody. Yeah. And uh, Terrence had opened the door um, to me to be able to put up some content as well. And I'm already doing stuff on my own YouTube channel, reviewing action figures and doing different things. So mine just may be like, hey, this is kind of what's coming up on the channel, like more of like, not on the channel, but more on this is like podcast news. I, maybe I'll come in and do a little bit um, here or there or just you know go through some other parts of my collection that are Robin-focused, like Terrence said. may not be Tim Drake. It could be a Jason Todd thing that I found um, to just you know, add a, a little bit extra here or there. So uh, thanks for letting me uh, do just a little bit there. But uh, that's that's really cool that we've got that out there. And uh, if nothing else, if we can just get 101 subscribers for that, just so it's a lot easier for the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, what's your uh, website? Well, it's uh, you got a lot of paper and pen for this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, we've got a, a new little segment here. We had to make it a new little segment just because since the last time that we've uh, the three of us have gotten together, there's been a lot that has gone on uh, in the Batman universe and uh, and kind of beyond in the TV Arrowverse and all that stuff. So this is going to be kind of our lightning round here, just to kind of go over some uh, brief points of all the stuff that's happened probably in the last month or so that we just maybe we can't devote uh, a lot of time to talk about some of the stuff. I think we said before we started recording that each one of these topics could be their own <laughs> their own show. So uh, we'll start kicking it around the room here. Uh, first thing up on our list is San Diego uh, Comic Con has recently uh, ended in the end of July, and uh, one of the big things is the Justice League trailer and Wonder Woman trailer. So let's kick it off with your guys' uh, first thoughts. Uh, let's start with the Justice League. Uh, what did you think, uh, Ryan? Uh, it was interesting that they gave, even gave us a Justice League trailer this early, because um, that's kind of unprecedented to not only give us a trailer that early, but also, um, you know, in the manner they did, you know, in the, in the fact that they released it online, a lot of times things that they show at the comic con that early, no one sees it outside of that, outside of hall age. So it's one of those things where it shows that WB is really trying to make people get people excited about justice league. I thought it was okay, but the tonal shift from BVS really, really stood out to me. I think, it's going to be, I think it's going to be good, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it, I'm just in wait-and-see mode for the whole darn thing at the moment. There's cool moments in it. Bruce Wayne's interesting. I like uh, his interaction with Aquaman. 
But uh, some of the humor comes across as a little disingenuous, but some of it comes across as really good, like like Jeff Johns' Justice League comic book good, like the line where Batman has the end of that trailer where he says, like, you know, I'm real when it's useful. That's that's just a perfect line. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought. Uh, Terrence? Yeah, that, that line was right out of Justice League 1 of the New 52, and Green Arrow, I'm Green Arrow, Green Lantern says it to him, like, you're real? So I, I think... You can definitely tell Jeff Johns' influence. I thought the trailer was good, but I had no doubt the trailer would look good because one thing DC and uh, Scott Snyder can do is make good trailers. So I'm, I'm, I, the, if the trailer did anything for me, it won me over for The Flash because from BBS, I wasn't too keen on The Flash, especially since I like the CW Flash so much. But I, Ezra Miller's... Uh, uh, he, I know he did a really good job. He was really likable in the trailer, and uh, it was kind of cool to see. So I think it, um, it it definitely made me look forward to Justice League a lot more than before the trailer. Yeah, I was real excited about it, and this was this was the trailers loosely. These are a series of shots that they have done that all of the critics and probably the negative critics of BBS got to go over to London and got to see some of these scenes filmed. These are those things that I remember reading about months ago. I think you guys on Batman on Film had talked about um, the the visit that uh, some of those people got to have yeah. over there. So I wasn't surprised. Like When we heard that there was going to be something, I thought, well, I wonder if we'll get to see what they saw. And essentially, you know, that's what we got. So some people were like, this trailer's all over the place. Well, it's not really a trailer. It's it's a series of shots like, hey, here's what we filmed. We're excited about it. And I think everything looks looks pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm excited all the way around about it. Ezra Miller was the part where I was like, eh, I don't know. And his interaction with Batman uh, catching the Batarang and saying, can I keep this? And I need some friends. And that whole thing was pretty cool. Seeing him in motion. The thing that I really liked that I must have uh, watched the trailer over and over again to hear, and I turned it up, is to hear Cyborg's voice. Um, you could hear it's like a little bit of computer esque to his voice, which I thought was really pretty cool. It's it's different than Batman's uh, voice, which I thought, oh great, both of their voices will sound the same, but it's it's pretty cool. So yeah, I was excited about it, um, and just we'll kind of see where it goes from there. And and I knew the tone was going to change, even though they said that months before BVS came out that Justice League would have a different tone. Uh, like Ryan said, you can definitely tell that. Um, the next one, Wonder Woman. What did you guys think about Wonder Woman? Let's kick it over to Terrence. Yeah, I thought it looked really well well done. Um, I think I still think the majority of people out there don't know the difference between Marvel and DC. Yeah. You know, the average everyday people. And so they just know Wonder Woman and Spider-Man and Batman and all that stuff. And so I think this is going to have a, a lot of crossover appeal. And it looked good. And what I really liked is when I went to see Suicide Squad um, – there were about five or six young girls, probably like 16 or 17 or so, high school age, uh, sitting a row or two behind me. And when the Wonder Woman trailer came on before Suicide Squad, they were all like, oh, that's Chris Pine. That's Chris Pine. And I didn't realize his appeal. So, you know, I have I've kind of forgot the leading man. People might want to go see him. So um, I think I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a home run. Yeah, I, I thought it looked really cool. And what I really liked about it was there was color. 
I mean, it starts out in the ocean. You can see, you know, blue and sand and green. So it's a, a completely different look, and I like that. I hope all the individual directors take their own style and make it their own rather than keep it in this, you know, sepia tone, you know, all the way through. So that was really cool that uh, Wonder Woman's costume looked red and blue and gold. So, uh, and the lasso really stood out. I liked that. Uh, but the coolest part of the trailer, um, I think the Wonder Woman theme is going to be right up there with the John Williams Superman theme and the Danny Elfman theme. Uh, you play that theme any anywhere anymore and people really uh, start to get uh, excited about it. So uh, I showed that uh, trailer to my wife and she's like, where's the Wonder Woman theme? And I just kept grinning. She's like, is it coming? Is it coming? Once you get to the end, you know, it starts right up. So I um, thought that was really pretty cool. So, yeah, I like that uh, quite a bit. Uh, the next topic on our list is uh, the CW shows, uh, The Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl. Um, I have not watched the Arrow a Season 4 trailer because we are still catching up with Season 3. Uh, we are just to the part uh, a couple episodes after the Black Canary has died, so that tells you where <laughs> where we are in Arrow. Um, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers, <laughs> yeah, spoilers if nobody knows by now. <laughs> and... You're not missing too much by not watching that. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I really, really liked that show, and um, I would hope that somebody taps them on their shoulder over there and says, why don't you just guys just be Green Arrow, quit trying to be Batman and do all this other magic stuff. But uh, uh, Season 3 trailer of The Flash I thought was uh, really pretty cool. I'm real excited about that show. Um Having Superman on uh, Supergirl, I think, will be uh, pretty cool, even though it's kind of getting some flack on the costume and this, that, or the other. Um, I think all the costumes got some flack the first time we saw them out of context of the show. So um, I'm hopeful. They, they haven't messed up anything yet as far as how the costumes look on the show in my eyes. So um, I'm excited for um, all of those and hoping to get caught up with Arrow so at least I can see... Um, the trailer for season four. So uh, what do you think, Ryan? Uh, let's see. Flash looks great. Flash has been great. Uh, it's really cool that they're going to do Flashpoint. Um, they're going to do their own version of it, of course, yeah. but it's, it's just going to be real, just more good stuff. And it obviously uh, an event like Flashpoint is going to give them the opportunity to do a lot of fun things with the characters. And that show has always been really good for that. Arrow has not been good since season three. Um, hmm. Actually, this is season five. Season five upcoming, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so I watched the trailer. I did watch the. Tra- I've watched Arrow and I watched the new trailer, and I'm still like, it doesn't look that good. I think the, the main through line in that trailer, at least, was like, you know, uh, Oliver recruiting a whole bunch of new people to be new heroes and stuff. And I'm like. Don't we have enough masked vigilantes in this universe? <laughs> Everybody in the show is a masked vigilante, and it just—they've just lost their focus, and it just doesn't—it's not working for me that show. Um, so I hope they can make it better, but I've been saying that for two years now. So, but I still keep watching it. Uh, Supergirl season one I thought was fantastic. They're doing a great job with with that show and that character. Um, not to bring up Batman v Superman because we've harped on that movie to death, but I, I do think Supergirl, that show has done more. That finale episode was great. It did more 
to as for a Superman as a symbol than BBS did, honestly. Yeah. Um, uh, and including Superman in season two is kind of a bold step for the CW because for years they've been very uh, um, adamant about not using the big three heroes, you know, Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman. So the fact that they are going to use him and like use him as an actual character is really interesting. And um, yeah, the costume is not great. I don't. I'm not a fan of it. And I'm a little uh, hesitant about the casting because, um, of course, he just looks like a CW model or whatever <laughs> being Superman. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I am more than willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've done nothing but a great job on that show so far. Um, and in the show notes, I kind of – I think this is pretty telling, but – in the show, there's no mention of Gotham. It's <laughs> 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 because this is a, a Batman-related show, but you don't mention Gotham, which is only fitting because Gotham is pretty terrible, and it's it's been terrible, and there's no saving that show, and everything I've heard about the next season just sounds so bad. Um, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Terrence. Yeah, uh, I, when I was making the show notes, I was kind of rushing. I couldn't remember if the Arrow was season four or five. It's five, uh, but it is five. Yeah, and then um, the so I'm like you, Rob. I've, I've gotten a little bit further than you, but I think I've got three episodes left, so I didn't really watch the trailer. Same thing with Gotham. I, I actually like Gotham. Um, I, I do too, actually. Uh, but I'm oh. only halfway through the season, so I haven't seen any. Keep of watching. Wait until they mess up Asriel. Like, okay. real bad. Well, See, I saw half of the season. Because it's like, was it was like Rise of the Villains? Yeah, and yeah they Wrath split of it the into... Villains. Yeah, so, yeah. I've only saw the first half. I didn't see the second half. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Flash, I'm excited about the Flashpoint. I wish it was the whole season, because I love Flashpoint. I'd love to... Uh, Ryan mentioned last podcast, do an Asriel podcast. I'd love to do a Flashpoint mm-hmm. podcast. Specifically because there's not 183 episodes like the one Rob chose. Because <laughs> I do, I do love that that series. Um, and then the Supergirl, I haven't quite finished Supergirl, um, but I am kind of excited. I I, I I think it'll be cool to see Superman because they've had Superman in it before, but he was like all in shadow and it was really awkward. And it's kind of cool to just have, or it was like through text messaging and stuff. It's kind of cool to just have him there. Um, and I think it'll hopefully be, be look cool after you see him in live action and there was like supergirl had this thing um one of the episodes where she like i forget what she did but she helped something with kids or something and like the one kid was being picked on or something and oh she that was her, yeah yeah she used her x-ray vision and looked in the kid's backpack and saw the kid's name and like mentioned the kid by name in front of the bullies and was like yeah we're friends and i was like that's what Batman, Man of Steel, and Batman v Superman Absolutely. miss with Superman. Yeah. Like we needed a moment like that to see Clark, as opposed to you know necessarily the that slow motion saving a rocket kind of thing. Yeah. We just we just yeah. needed some of that. So I, I kind of yeah. like that about Supergirl. Um, so overall, that's the thing that that's the thing that makes that shows the whole human element of those characters, where it's like that's. That's what those characters can do for people instead of having to punch their way through something, and I thought that was so well done. Yeah. Because yeah. I was thinking about it, because even like the Christopher Reeve Superman, which came out in like 79, 80, 
like that was a throwback even then like 79 like things were rough like <laughs> people like i guess glorify the past but like there was a lot of crime the, the economy was in the toilet the cold war was going on jimmy carter was president i mean the united states was down the iran hostage like the the it was a really rough time and superman's coming and he's rescuing cats out of the tree and waving at people but people loved it because it was like just so retro and just such a, a wave of you know positivity and i think people like people today pop on the superman and think oh this is you know what it was like back then but it wasn't so yeah and i wanted to i wanted to piggyback on something you said about um supergirl and i i told oh no gotham um we have lost our DVR due to doing it to just crashing, so it crashed during the middle of season one. That's how far back I am in Gotham. So oh, we God. found it on DVR. Uh, smart. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- I may get booed. I may get booed for this. My wife found a DVD copy of the entire season for nine bucks. So I thought, oh, that's not so bad. So we're catching up through season one. And hoping our DVR doesn't crash again to lose season two. So we're we're two and a half seasons back, and we're not chomping at the bit to watch them <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. So maybe that's nine dollars that's going to go down in the crapper. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I I there's parts I, I there's parts I really like, but other stuff I'm like I don't know. Yeah, I, I have a friend that watches it, that we watch it together and just cry into our hands every week because it's just one of those things where I. I keep watching it so I can I feel qualified when I can tell people how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the original premise of it to me I thought it was going to be like a Law and Order SVU type of show that yeah. maybe you would get the cape of Batman jumping out the window and somebody coming in like Bullock what was that and Gordon be like oh it's nothing and you know it's the other stuff that's going on in Gotham City and be more of a crime drama and then getting this I was like nah okay, I'm tired of all of the, let's tell the origin story. The origin before the origin of the origin. No. <laughs> I'm tired of that. <laughs> Did you hear what they're doing to Poison Ivy? Oh, yeah, she's a okay. <laughs> hot 13-year-old that looks like she's 36. <laughs> no, she she's going to get, tra- the little kid's going to get transformed into like a 20-year-old next season. Oh, yeah that's, what, yeah, that's what I mean. That she, through whatever's going through her, is she aged really fast and she looks like she's yeah. 24 yeah yeah <laughs> i'm like Gosh. yeah because that that's that's what the that's yeah i think that's my biggest problem with the show if you want to show us a young poison ivy like oh one day this bruce wayne kid is going to come in contact with poison ivy and now mr freeze is in his 40s by the time batman is in his 25 God. mr freeze is going to be rolling around in an ice box oh they messed up mr freeze too i Sorry, open the Gotham Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's ragging on Gotham. <laughs> but there's yeah. certain episodes I like, but. Uh, yeah. And I'm not a f- big fan of Ben McKenzie. I, I feel like he's yeah. acting. This is my acting voice. I'm like, dude, just talk. <laughs> open your mouth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just derailed the whole entire podcast. <laughs> no, that's my fault. No, that's fine. So let's go on to bigger and brighter things. Uh,. Rebirth, DC beats Marvel in sales. I will read that again. Rebirth, DC beats Marvel in sales. I don't think we've said that for a very long time. Uh, that should show how how much people are enjoying Rebirth. And I've been posting stuff that I've been you know buying online 
on the ELTD uh, Twitter page and then my own page. I'm buying a bunch of Rebirth books and other characters that I haven't normally read, even through the New 52, and it's making me go back and buy old stuff. So, uh, you know, the comic shop walls are... It's good... It's a good thing to go in and say, hey, do you have the new issue of Flash? No, it's sold out. And then to see, oh, look, there's the variant green cover. There's the variant red cover that it's going into third, fourth, and I hear that there may be a fifth printing of the Rebirth one-shot 80-page. Um, so this is a, a real cool thing. What are your guys' thoughts on uh, Rebirth as a whole, just as far as beating you know Marvel in sales and what they're doing? Uh, Terrence? <laughs> Yeah, uh, last time it happened, from what I read, was when DC did Villains Month. So um, part of it is Marvel has not been good lately. Um, (laughs) From Marvel people I've talked to and stuff, they've been disappointed and they haven't really liked Civil War II as much. And uh, Marvel's doing this crazy thing where they're killing off the X-Men and canceling the X-Titles because of movie, but you take your most popular characters <laughs> and, and get rid of it. And it's a movie decision, but it hurts the comic book. Yeah. So disingenuous. Yeah. And rebirth, I feel like has been really great. And DC, man, they got their act together and they learned what to do from the new 52. Cause the new 52 came out. It was all those number ones all in one month. Boom. Um, and it had a great month, but there were some weak titles. Uh, you know, if you graded titles, there were some titles I'd give A's and some I'd give F's to. Here they realize, hey, if we do a rebirth issue and then do an issue number one, we get two number ones. And that's been a brilliant move sales wise. And by spacing it out and having them come out, I guess over three months or maybe four months, um, it, it, it extends that excitement and, and build up, um, for the sales. And I have to say, I've, I've pretty much read everything rebirth. And if I gave a grade, the lowest I'd give, there's a couple that I wasn't too happy with that I might give a C to. But for the most part, everything, nothing would have been lower than a C, and everything was Bs and a lot of As and A pluses. So, um, yeah, it's it's good news for DC. Now, if only I could get a better logo, then I'd be happy. <laughs> you know, I, at first I didn't like the logo. Um, I thought it's just it's too basic. It's plain. But just kind of seeing it, even in our next topic, the Suicide Squad, seeing it on the movie screen, I was like, I I kind of like it. It's just, it's it's kind of like the no frills. Like it's DC. We don't we're not doing anything crazy and a peel back logo and all these stars and swirly circles going around it. It's just DC. Let let our book do the talking. And then the more I'm seeing it, the more I'm really liking the logo. So, uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the sales? I think that's awesome, and and I think it is indicative of of the quality of the books. The it's ever since that rebirth one shot, the, the books have just been really excellent, and the way that they've been putting the best best foot forward with the titles, and the way that they're doing it with the rebirth one shots, and then the actual titles, it's just worked out really well. And of course, the twice thing has been my biggest you know bullet point in terms of the. Uh, to keep an eye on but so far it's it's just been really good really consistent and they're coming out on time and, they, and they've all been good i've been reading like a good amount of books what's actually happening to me is i'm i'm enjoying the books i started with so much that i'm starting to not want to try the new number ones when they come out because i'm so committed <laughs> to the ones i'm already reading <laughs> mm-hmm. and i'm like well i don't know if i want to try bad girl or you know, and some of the other new titles, uh, I, but I did buy Batgirl anyway. So that just shows you, like, they're doing a good job, and it's and the quality is there. So I'm I'm really happy with it so far. Uh, 
Yeah, so am I. Let's get to our last one. And uh, we were trying to do a lightning round, so uh, this could turn into its own podcast. So we'll try and just go to our uh, overall thoughts of Suicide Squad. It's been the most recent uh, DC cinematic movie to uh, hit us. And um, I I enjoyed it. Uh, I know my wife really enjoyed it. Uh, every moment that Harley was on the screen and as we were leaving the theater and, you know, she loved, you know, Will Smith and uh, Diablo. We walked out going, I really liked the Diablo character when I thought he was just going to be a token one note villain. There was, seemed to be a little bit more of a, a backstory. And I, I knew enough of some of these characters to just be dangerous with. Um, but uh, we walked out of the theater and I was kind of telling her about, you know, this is kind of what people have been saying about the movie. And she's like, so what? Did you enjoy it? And I said, well, yeah, I did. She's like, then screw what everybody else says. <laughs> She's like, at the end of the day, if you enjoyed the film and you were basing it off of what you liked and you liked it, she's like, so what if it only made the $16 between you and I? He's like, She's like, if it only makes $16, she's like, I understand that may not continue your universe. She's like, but that shouldn't take away of your love and enjoyment for the film. So I was like, yeah, that's right. I, I don't need to listen to somebody else's opinion to make me go, oh, I don't know. I'm probably not going to like this. So I really want to see it again. I enjoyed it. There were some you know, little things here or there that I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. I would have done that different, but... To me, uh, the trailers sold it on, this is what's going on, we're putting a team together, and there's this thing that they've got to do, and they did it. It wasn't an overly complicated plot, and I think I even put it on Twitter. You know, Some people thought they were going to get the Godfather, they weren't paying attention to their trailer. <laughs> you know, The Suicide Squad books, comic books in general, are not you know, you know, uh, war and peace uh, by, written by any... You know, stretch of the imagination. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's that's my two cents on it. Uh, Terrence. Yeah, first time I saw it, um, opening weekend, I liked it a lot. But I had heard a lot of the negative reviews ahead of time, and I had heard that the Joker wasn't in it that much. Uh, so I had kind of heard a lot of that stuff. But I was surprised at how much I liked it. And I thought the Joker was in it quite a bit compared to what I was hearing, that he wasn't in it at all or hardly at all. Yeah. Um, I did find some faults with it the first time. Then I went again. I watched it again last night, and I saw a lot of the things that I found fault with. I just missed because a lot happened so quick. Like I was like, when they when the Suicide Squad was first taken off to to go on their mission, I didn't know what the mission was. I was like, what are they doing? I was like, I was really lost. And then I realized the second time I saw it, I, I just missed where they said they were trying to rescue somebody, you know. And then I was the first time I watched it, I was like, well. This threat, this, you know, the, as Harley Quinn called it, the lights in the sky there, like it doesn't seem that threatening because how long is it going to just make these lights? But then a second time I realized, oh, well, they couldn't actually fully do it until Enchantress got her heart back. Um, I, I I really liked it. I, the second time I loved it, my both my daughters saw it. They really liked it. Um, the crowds that I was with. That you know the packed house. People were laughing at the jokes. They seemed to really enjoy it. So I don't I don't get where all the negativity comes from. Um, uh, the we ran we ran into this a little bit, Rob. Um, Star Wars, the prequels, mm-hmm. right? You run into some people who are like like really like militant in how much they love the prequels yeah. and are like. And I think it's because so many people 
trash the prequels that they become even more militant about no i love the prequels and the prequels are awesome and we got some flack when we, <laughs> that we are awesome yeah, yeah. we did <laughs> well i i think i'm going to become one of those people for this movie like i'll go out now and buy like three suicide squad shirts just to wear to just to say this is an awesome movie i love it um i sounded so, militant before i went over to you like i don't get why people don't like this yeah <laughs> i don't, don't want to come it, off of my tower and be like that but i'm just I'm sorry. I don't mean to run you over. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, I thought the performances, Will Smith was great, especially after seeing him and other things where he was so, like, Independence Day, where he has this, like, youthful optimism. Now to see him, like, bitter and jaded and just, like, defeated, it, w- it was really great. Harley Quinn was awesome. Some of the things that people criticize it for, I can make excuses for. Like, they criticize her voice. It comes, it goes. And I'm thinking, well, the whole thing's an act, so it comes and goes. So the yeah. – the things I can I can um, I can make excuses for. I did feel it was a little choppy at times, like there were scenes missing, yeah. or it was a little rushed. Like there's one where Harley Quinn smashes the window and grabs the purse and is like, uh, you know, we're bad guys. It's what we do. That like happened really quick. I was like, oh, you know, and um, like I, I needed like an establishing shot of them walking the street or something. And I'd love to know what the reshoots were. I, I think maybe that fight scene with the Enchantress at the end may have been a reshoot. I kept looking to see if like something was different. Does the beard look different? Does the, you know, um, but uh, the deleted I, scene at the deleted scene, the end scene uh, was a reshoot. I just saw an interview with Viola, that makes sense. with Viola Davis and they said, we need you back on set and i don't want to spoil it in case anybody hasn't seen it yeah but at this point i think people have so if you stay just past the credits a little bit that was definitely one there obviously were more but that's the only one that i can firmly say was a reshoot and um one last thing i'll say is and rotten tomatoes because i know uh ryan with the batman on film crew are always trying to talk people off the ledge and say that there's not a conspiracy but i i am actually one of those people who do think there is a conspiracy now i don't think that like it's like like Mr. Burns and like, you know, playing with his fingers there going, I'm going to ruin D.C. and everything. But I, I think there's something wrong with the way Rotten Tomatoes does its calculations and the the percentage people are looking at that as like like we're back in high school and that's the grade they got. And so Rotten Tomatoes right now, Suicide Squad is 27 uh, percent and Ant-Man is 81 percent. And there's no way you can tell me that <laughs> Ant-Man is like a, you know, whatever that math is, 60-something percent better film than Suicide Squad. I just don't, you know, and Thor The Dark World was really high, too, somewhere. And I I just, I mean, if you want to say it was a better film, okay, but that percentage. So I think... It's just the way it's reported. I think yeah. if they took the reviews and put them all into a 0 to 10 scale and then made an average, I think the numbers would be a lot different. Yeah, so that's what I think is something's wrong with the way they calculate things to make some of these movies just go really skewed low, um, and then people sort of compare one against the others. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but I, I really love the movie. Ryan? I have seen the movie four times. Um, I thought it was like a B-plus the first time I saw it, and then... I watched it a few more times, and then I got it down to a B minus, and now after I've seen it the fourth time, I've leveled out at a B. And that's at the strength of the cast. I think the cast is great. The characters and the characterization is great. It just falls short of overall greatness because because of a lackluster story and yeah. uh, things. some things that... There's a lot of things in the movie where you can tell 
man, there's there's seeds here for something really great, and they didn't quite deliver on a lot of those points. And so that's why I think, um, you know, a few years from now, it'll it'll seem like well that that movie was fell short of greatness, but it could have been it could have been a lot better. Um, but yeah, some of the criticisms have been completely out of whack. Um, but I'm not that surprised. I was really worried about the film, really, because we most people were so excited about it. The buzz was great, and then all of a sudden, like a few days before the film came out, there was nothing but all this negativity and the stories about reshoots and competing cuts of the film and all that kind of thing. And I was just like, "Oh my god, what are, what's, what are we walking into? Like it's BBS all over again. I can't believe it." Um, but but yeah, I think. Overall, as a, as a film, I enjoyed it. I've seen it four times. It's a fun movie. It really is, and there's good there's good parts in it. It just makes me a little worried about the DCEU overall, you know, moving forward. Because if this film doesn't have legs, that kind of I, I mean, it's a whole it's a whole other show you can get into. But it's one of those things where I feel like Warner Brothers knows what they need to do, and we all know they've been making changes behind the scenes with you know, DC films and getting Jeff Johns in there more and that kind of thing. So I, I, some of these problems I think are going to be fixed, you know, with future films. And I think, it, I think it's going to improve, but it's something that they need to not keep, uh, they need to keep looking at it. So come on, Robin to the Batcave. We haven't one moment to lose. All right, it is comic time, and uh, what we're going to do, we're going to break this into two little sections. We will first look at Detective Comics, uh, the three issues that came out, uh, starting with Detective Comics 936, 937, 938, and then we will jump back to the 90s uh, to Robin 3. Uh, we'll do, I'll read the first little synopsis here. This is kind of truncated a little bit since there's you know three issues to talk about. Rise of the Batman Part 3, 4, and 5. Uh, the team witnesses Batman being beaten and captured by the colony. The bell tower is taken over by Kate's father. Kate's father turns on his own daughter. Uh, the team retreats to an abandoned underground rail station that was built by Red Robin. In the meantime, Batman has broken free from the colony and tries to escape and runs into Ulysses Harden Armstrong and tells Batman that he is the one that hacked the bell tower. Batman then comes face to face with his uncle Jack and is told that his team will be his. The Bat Team arrives just in time to save Batman and to make their escape due to some quick computer hacking by Red Robin. The escape goes as planned by Ulysses, so now he can activate his Bat Eyes to find them. So, it's really cool that... All of these uh, issues are coming out bi-weekly. I think we talked about it before. It kind of feels like Batman and Robin Eternal. That you don't have to wait uh, a month to read uh, this story. So I like the the books are uh, bi-weekly, so the story seems nice and uh, tight still. Um, and I'm hoping, uh, as Ryan kind of said, that my only uh, reservation of it, I hope it's... It, it doesn't get watered down trying to make the story stretch over a bi-weekly basis. I think with some of the weekly series, unless it's, you know, once it gets too long, you start to feel like, okay, that's filler, that's filler. I don't feel like any of these are filler yet. I feel like each one of these issues, I'm like, man, that was a great issue. And then the next one comes out, oh, man, that was a great issue. So I like that that uh, continues uh, on through uh, I think, the series. 
I think their first big challenge is going to be when they get to this Monster Men crossover. Yeah. Because whenever you start doing these crossover type things is when you can lose readers. I mean, if you're really invested in a book and then there's a crossover, if you're if you're not interested and you don't get it, you might be like, okay, that's a good stopping off point. Or, yeah. oh, now I need to know exactly which five books to buy and that kind of thing. But the good thing is, since they come out so bi-weekly now, that it might work in their favor. It's just one of those points where I'm going to be kind of watching it and hopefully... And it, it runs the risk of derailing whatever continuity uh, each book has. But it seems like for this particular one, I think that all of the people are on the same page and they are going to do something cool. But it's just something that I'm going to keep my eye on. Yeah, I, I was... I was a little disappointed that we're going to do a crossover this soon. I really wanted to get one or exactly. two story arcs underneath Tinian's uh, belt and and then maybe do a crossover. I feel like it, it's like, oh, it's Court of the Owls. Like, we're telling the Court of the Owls story, and then let's throw all the Bat family yep. in and do all that. I mean, I, I liked some of those. I, I'm glad it's telling one cohesive story rather than doing what Snyder did and the main story is in detective, but the side little bit. So at least it's like you read this book, then you read this book, rather than go, well, you really don't need this one. So oh, you were going to say something, Terrence, about a crossover. Oh, no, I was just going to say that I've noticed that all of the um, rebirths seem to be multi-part. They're, they're all starting with multi-part stories. And I uh, was wondering how much of that was with an eye to the trade paperbacks. And uh, I think oh, yeah. this this story itself, the way it's reading, will, will read really well as a trade paperback because the action just kind of flows from one issue to the next. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people will pick it up and trade paperback, hopefully. Yeah, even re- rereading these issues, like one after the other, I mean, there is there is an incredible movement to, to these issues of Detective Comics in mm-hmm. particular. And, you know, like, the cool thing is, is Tinian is really doing a good job with just keeping this consistent amount of action, but also telling a lot of story through the action and through the moments. And it's just really great. And it just has this great flow to it. And when you get it connected all together, um, I think it's going to be really cool. And I'm hoping, and I haven't read all the Batman eternal stuff yet, but I'm hoping that that's the same kind of feeling I get from that. And I've got a bunch of those collected editions. I'm hoping to kind of dig into sometime soon. Um, the podcast will be really long if we go through each individual page. So like we did previously with Detective, we'll just kind of go through moments, whether it be, you know, 36, 37, 38, whichever you guys want to go through. But a page that I think uh, Terrence had posted on the Facebook page, or at least had talked about the opening shot with the glass in 936, I thought was a beautiful, beautiful opening to this book. Um, how all the panels are inside of the glass and uh, her training in here and the discussion that you you find out is in the bar. Uh, I just thought, wow, what a unique way uh, to start this book. And I think that's something that I really like about uh, Barrows and Martinez uh, doing this book is in some shots you'll just get, you know, the standard uh, page layout and then you'll get shots with the glass or uh, the shot in the bell tower where uh, Red Robin and Batwoman are looking up at the computer screen and it's you know shot from a real high perspective and you can see how large uh, the uh, computer screen is and the uh, the cinematic move like you said the movement in this uh, even uh, a shot with um, the orphan flying through uh, the city where she's got you know her back arched and she's you know, flying through the rain if you actually tip the book sideways you can see you know, 
how she's you know jumping through you know the buildings. I thought just it, each page and. I say it all the time that a friend of ours, Jason Chapman, always goes. Rob always says this should be a poster. This should be a poster. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of images in all these books. I go, man, I would spend five dollars on a lot of posters if we got a lot of images. Um, the, the art alone um, just really makes me like this book. And then uh, the story that it's telling, I think, is just a really really cool story. It's it's keeping me guessing as it goes through. Um, what are some of your guys' uh, favorite parts out of the uh, of the series, or just moments uh, out of these uh, three books that we're talking about today? Uh, Terrence? Yeah, the panel layouts on some pages, especially that first page with the glass, is awesome. Especially since it was sort of J.H. Williams III with his mm-hmm. Batgirl run, I mean Batwoman run, um, that really raised the bar on like really cool panel mm-hmm. layouts. Mm-hmm. Um one of the books that I really like now, Old Man Logan, um, which is out right now, they, they do some really cool uh, panel layouts. That's probably my favorite Marvel book out right now. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. I also, in the, the first issue, 936, there's just some really clever stuff. Um, I, I love the way Tim Drake interacts with Batwoman because, um, and I don't know, I might have said this before, but if you know baseball, there was a, a manager of the Rangers and the Mets named Bobby Valentine. Mm-hmm. And I heard, um, <laughs> some, you know who I'm talking about? And somebody was talking about him one time on sports radio, and they said, uh, you know, Bobby Valentine, um, when he goes in a room, he's the smartest man in that room. But he wants everyone to know that he's the smartest man in the room. Um, and I feel that way about Tim Drake. Like, Tim Drake's the smartest guy, but he'll, he wants everyone to know he's the smartest guy. So when he interacts with um, various people, he's always kind of got that, like, like one-upmanship. And, and I love how he interacts with Batwoman here, where he's just kind of like um, – he, he's respecting her, but then he's also saying, like, I know everything you know, too, and more. Uh, so that was really great. And at the end of 396, I, I, I would never would have thought, like, for them all to get inside Clayface. Like, that was such a cool beat of, like... <laughs> it was uh, badass. It, yeah, yeah, I love that. It, it reminded me a little bit of Guardians of the Galaxy when they all got in Groot. And he's like, we are Groot. You know, I thought that was cool. And it, it kind of... The, the cover... I've been buying both covers, the the variant and the one variant uh where like it's batwoman's face being consumed by clayface it's kind of cool but it's actually really something that happens but not quite how you might see it from the cover so uh yeah i've just been enjoying the heck out of the series oh ryan oh man so they're doing so many really great things with with the art and the panel layouts and they get a lot across in a short amount of time you know there's a shot in Nine and thirty-six, uh, towards the first half of the book, where um, uh, Red Robin and, and Batwoman are contacting the other members of the team, and you get this like four tall panel layout where you see, you know, uh, Orphan, what, what each character is doing as they get called in, like the Power Rangers or something. You're like <laughs> Orphan's watching ballerinas from the rafters, you know, alone. Stephanie's asleep. <laughs> Spoiler needs sleep. That like dialogue's perfect. <laughs> um, Especially that I like the fact that uh, Stephanie like refers to herself as spoiler. Like when she's like waking up, she I can see like, <laughs> yeah. uh, spoiler needs sleep. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that's hilarious. You know, Clayface is at a <laughs> at a audition. You know, that kind of stuff is just great. And uh, I love the way they're using Clayface. I love that shot, like you said, Terrence, where where they he gets enveloped and lets them all escape. And then there's I think which issue is it? Is it uh, 
38, where uh, Batman commands start giving, starts giving Clayface commands, and he built like a big bridge to carry him up the different levels. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great, and then they show him like running up Clayface to escape and that kind of thing. I think that was awesome. And yeah. then towards the end of 938, you get like another cool vanishing fu where Batman Team Batman moment where like Batman has this awesome dialogue where he's just like this aberration is over and then they just throw a smoke bomb and they all just disappear like together as a unit which is so cool yeah like right in front right in front of them like he's just like boom and they're all gone even Clayface, which that's just that's just great storytelling stuff and so that's the kind of stuff that they can do with these you know with the kind of kinetic storytelling that they're telling that they're doing and with the the bi-weekly thing it's just uh, it's story has a, a great movement to it uh, hey, I, I can I just say that I really yeah. like the opening of 937 when they're going through the utility belt and yeah. all the different yes. things in it. That I love that. Yeah, that's perfect. And they're just like, oh my god, this is going to completely revolutionize our suit. And how many batteries does he have? And, yeah, you know, is this is this what I think it is? Is this kryptonite? I mean, <laughs> don't even think about it. yeah. And they've only yeah, gone through so a, a third of the belt, you know. <laughs> and the fact and the fact that Batman like has an extra smoke bomb thing like in his tooth that is like classic i can get out of any situation batman that reminds that reminds me a lot of the like mid 90s batman 2 where he's just like super prepared he knows what he's doing it's it's just really great and that scene that you're talking about where he spits out the you know the tooth or whatever and then in the middle of the panel he's like where am i i just read that 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 would have scared the crap right out of you for like okay we got this guy in here oh wait no we don't (laughs) <laughs> I just thought that was really cool. And that uh, I, I'm really digging uh, Tim in this, and not just saying it because, oh, we're all Tim Drake fans, but that the bell tower has been compromised, so Tim's got a backup plan. He's got an underground, yeah. subterranean train station, and then Clayface is like, is that a bat train? You know, that Tim's just been yeah. working on this just in case. Uh, that he's got all this gear and all this tech and still kind of defers to uh, Batwoman, even though Tim is the smartest guy in the room. He's like, well, what do you want to do? You know, here's here's a new base for us. <laughs> you know, I just I thought that's pretty cool. But it's still like that little wink of like, I did this. Keep in mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know what's cool is that, to me, it really echoed, you know, some Nightfall stuff where you had Jean-Paul in the Batcave and he made that whole underground tunnel stuff and you utilized the underground tunnels and had the like the bat monorail kind of thing with the with his car, yeah, that's how he got around the city was underground. So that a lot of those ideas are kind of kind of transformed and used in here. Just where he's talking, like Tim's talking about, like they can use the old tracks as a rail gun and they can travel twenty times as fast as the top speed of the Batmobile. That's the same kind of stuff that Jean Paul was doing when he was Batman. So I thought that was a cool kind of callback to that. Yeah. In addition to using uh, the general and <laughs> the. Armstrong character. Yeah. You know, he he's he's uh they've brought him back from I think he was first introduced right before Nightfall, actually. Yeah, I believe so. I was just I was just gonna ask that he was right uh right before Nightfall if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, in I, Detective Comics, I believe. Yeah. I'm sure you guys, well, yeah. I'm sure you guys saw this and you know, since D C doesn't number their pages anymore, uh where he's going into Armstrong's, you know, computer desk. I'm sure you guys saw the image of the Dark Knight Returns. Uh, that's right above the computer, where he has Batman, you know, jumping through a light. Oh, like, yeah. He's got these little, yeah, little batarangs and things like that. Just little callouts uh, to different stuff. And then uh, the zero year is mentioned with Batman and the 
um, kind of like uh, uh, military fatigue type of a suit that he was wearing in the uh, Snyder run. So I, I like that he's just weaving all of the Batman timelines, and it doesn't feel like, oh, hey, I'm going to do something from Nightfall, and I'm going to do a little bit. It's It makes sense as it's all kind of running through. It's taking those little moments where it feels very familiar, and at the same time, it, it feels like a completely fresh story. Um, did you guys... i trying to remember, it was in the previous uh, issue, uh, 935, where Kate realizes that her father has turned on her, um, and then Bruce realizes that you know his uncle has turned on him too. Uh, was that? I'm, I know we had said before that we were kind of surprised uh, by that, but the the look of surprise on Batman's face uh, really has him going here. That this would have been the last person uh, he would have thought that uh, would have picked him up, or would have you know kind of betrayed the team. Uh, are you guys still? Surprised and reeling from that at all? Like, wow! I just I wouldn't believe this character would have would be doing that. Or do you like this take? It's one of those things where it kind of, it kind of comes out of nowhere, and you they're totally using it as a means to an end for the story they want to tell here. I mean, just just like some of the Marvel stuff they've been doing, like with Captain America and everything. You're like, oh well, this character has been around for a few years now, and then all of a sudden it's like, let's make him the bad guy. But the story's doing a good enough job of giving him motivation and and explaining the backstory. So it works for me. It's not like as shocking of a revelation as I thought. And it's it's one of those things where like, oh okay, he's the bad guy. That's cool. And I'm just kind of and moving on with it. Um, I got a Suicide Squad vibe out of uh, the orphan in the scene where uh, she is separated from the rest of the group in 938, kind of where like they meet Harley on top of the elevator and she kind of comes out. But in this case, you know, she's in a room full of all these soldiers and they've got to get to the orphan. And once they arrive there, she's standing, you know, victorious and bloodied and bruised, but all the guys are all knocked out. And it's kind of like, oh, well, I... I guess you don't need yeah. to help. Oh. They're like, well, we don't, we don't know how bad she's got it, and then she's like, I took care of it. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it reminds me one of my all-time favorite Batman moments is in the old Justice League International uh, comic, and there was one. He was as Bruce Wayne, but he was with like I think four of the League. Of, I wish I remember what issue number it was, but there's like four League of, like Booster Gold and Fire and Ice, and they're all standing there, and there's like eight or nine uh, guards and like Batman just like he shuts the lights off the panel is dark then he turns the lights back on and all the like the bad guys are all out and the Justice Leaguers are all standing right where they were when the lights went off <laughs> and he's like come on let's go you know and that's kind of how the this panel reminded me of and I like that a lot sorry I'm just I'm, I'm flipping through the book just kind of I'm still just marveling at, at how much I like this book and yeah. How how much I like it over the main Batman book, and that's not to say that that that's bad or anything like that. Uh, I just read uh, All Star Batman. Um, I liked that, mm-hmm. but I I still like Detective over those two books. I'm just I'm really pleased with this. And one of my favorite uh, shots here again, this could be a poster, um, <laughs> is uh, them running up uh, Clayface. Uh, yeah. Batwoman, uh, Red Robin, spoiler, and Batman running uh, towards the the camera. Such a such a cool shot. Um, and something that I liked here, and I wondered 
if it meant anything, and I'm always trying to read into stuff where um, Kate's father throws you know the batarang at her and knocks her mask off, and she just leaves it on the ground. Is that more of a you know middle finger to him? Like, look, I don't need you. I'm not even going to dignify picking my mask up off the ground. You know, uh, you know who I am, obviously, and all that type of stuff. And I did want to piggyback on that. I thought it was interesting that. Uh, he took the time to filter out all of his soldiers' earpieces so he couldn't hear, so they couldn't hear um, him say who Batman was. I thought that was kind of cool um, too. Just the, just those little you know inner family moments. Um, did, did you guys pick up on any of that at all, or you have any thoughts of why she would leave her mask there? It was more of like it's just not important to pick it up, uh, Terrence. Yeah, I kind of wondered that too. I, I it kind of seemed odd to leave it, and I was wondering if he, I could do something with it. I, I kind of liked that Kate didn't have a moment where she kind of like was in doubt about following her father, or the team doubted her. It seems like from the moment she found out it was her father, it was like, "How could you do this? I'm going to take you down." Um, it wasn't like uh, you know that whole uh, "Well, maybe she'll join her father" kind of thing, which is kind of cool that they didn't do that. Um, but, uh, I was going to say something else and I blanked, so sorry, but yeah, um, yeah, no, I don't know why they, they left that behind. Right. I didn't read too much into it. It, To me, it was just like a, if you, I got more masks, I don't need this, I don't need you. (laughs) You know, that's all I, that's all I took from it. You know, I'm sure they could use it as a MacGuffin or something later, but it just, it just struck to me as like, I'm a badass, I don't need you, we're getting out of here and I got more, I that's all I took it as. And it might even just be as simple as he helped create her, and that's just a sign of the the division between them. Like, yeah. you pick this mask up and you look at it, this is this is the face that you see now is, is Batwoman, not me. So, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, Final thoughts for these three uh, books. Uh, if you were to uh, grade it one to five... Um, how, how do you guys feel about the story so far? Which I think we've already alluded at. I, uh, I want to jump on the five bandwagon. I'm just, I'm really enjoying it. And this is the first book I read uh, every week that it comes out, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it on the show. And it just really has me excited for uh, what the story's going, where the story's going to go forward, and any reservations that I had about Tinian before. He's just blown him right out of the water, so I couldn't be happier. Uh, Terrence. <laughs> Yeah, I'd give it a five as well. Um, you know, I get my comics delivered monthly, so I've been going to the store and buying the the variant cover every two weeks when it comes out. Um, and I think, you know, in that rush of getting a book out every two weeks, it's easy to kind of miss some of the small little details that may be something you work on and, and craft. And this seems to have those small details. I wouldn't. It doesn't feel rushed. I, I like the little things like when... You know, Batman tells Clayface to make the bridge, and Clayface calls him Sir. I, just something about that. I, I just yeah. kind of like those little touches. So, yeah, um, this is definitely, like you said, it's on the top of the pile to read it first. Uh, Ryan. So here's the thing about Detective Comics, and, and just a lot of these rebirth things in general, but especially for De- Detective Comics. It's like, with the movies, they have to, to reach a certain amount of level of quality because they come out you know, compared to comics relatively infrequently and it's like a whole other thing. But with the comics, they can really kind of delve into the characters and it's not like every single issue has to be some show-stopping 
um, you know, this is going to define the genre for years or whatever kind of thing. What's cool about this approach is that with the biweekly thing and the kind of story they're telling, they just they can fit a lot of cool character stuff in it and tell a good story. And when it's all together, you don't have to wait too long. And it's just it's just got it's just really good. And it's and they don't have to do everything. It's not going to be like this is the definitive Clayface story or the definitive you know Robin story or whatever. But as an ensemble and as a team, it is it's it's working so well. And it's one of those things where I'm really excited to pick it up every other week and just see how it's going. And, you know, it's, it's one of those books I just can't wait to pick up and just keep reading and see seeing where it goes. Excellent. Uh, so let's get into our last book uh, for the day. Uh, we are going back to the 90s, and we're going to take a look at Robin number three. All right, Robin three, Clueless. Robin tackles the usual holiday season crime yet finds it difficult to keep his two lives separate to the point where Ariana wonders whether he's seeing someone else. He has learned that Clue Master, Electrocutioner, and Zonk have escaped from Blackie and decides to investigate, inevitably running into spoiler. All right, Robin number three. Um, I get a feeling from uh, Chuck Dixon that he likes to put Tim at Christmas time. <laughs> I feel like some of the best uh, Tim Drake stories so far on the podcast uh, for the 90s have happened at Christmas time. Joker's uh, Wild, and there was one uh, shortly before Nightfall that <laughs> was at Christmas time. So I feel like the seasons move really fast. They get like summer, and then we go right into Christmas. <laughs> so uh, I I think it's just kind of uh, cool that uh, that they'll do that here. Uh, Don't they kind of uh, kind of match it up towards the when the comics books come out? So it, when yeah. this comic came out, it's probably in the winter yeah. towards Christmas, maybe. Uh, yeah, because it's cover date of February, and it's usually two months ahead. So that means it would have been December when it came that, out. That yeah. That yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, it's just hard to uh, put that in perspective when I'm looking <laughs> out my window, and it's like 109 outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, snow, I wonder what that's like. And then when the snow hits, I'm like, man, why can't it be 109 outside? Um, <laughs> uh, again, this is one of those I feel like I'm just carrying it over from uh, Rebirth, and I, I know that's not the case. Uh Tom Grummet's art here. Um, I'm reading uh, this one out of the trade that I have, and I popped open this single issue. And I, I was wondering, like, okay, was this colored a little bit better? Uh, the colors are consistent between the trade and uh, the single issue. Um, I just love his line art in here. And uh, this is, of course, spoilers. This is the first uh, appearance of Stephanie Brown's spoiler in... Uh, the Robin proper series now, which we get her towards the tail end here. Um, and uh, the biggest thing that I liked about this story, um, just going off the last one that we had where number two was okay, I felt like this one really picked right back up. We're right uh, back with Tim's dilemma of how much of a superhero does he need to be and how much of Tim Drake does he need to be and how is he supposed to juggle all of these together. He's got a, a girlfriend and that Drazinsko chick, because I'm not going to say Ariana right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I got it right. Um, him trying to go out and, and catch the bad guys and stop somebody from stealing Christmas presents, and then 
getting home and uh, getting a phone call and him trying to go, oh, yeah, well, I'm studying for a test. And, oh, but we're on break. And he's like, oh, yeah. And just he's really kind of beating himself up. And that was something that I just I really liked about Tim Drake that I you could kind of relate with the problems that he had, not in the superhero sense, but, you know, trying to be the good son or trying to be the good student. And then in, in the middle of somewhere, figuring out, well, who, who am I really? Who am I? Who am I at my core? I'm I'm this way with my friends and I'm this way with my girlfriend and I'm this way at school and at the end of the day, in kind of your own room, having that thought of, well, who am I to myself? And I, I really like that out of Dixon's writing, that Tim is struggling with all of those, of how many different pieces of himself can he you know, spread out amongst everybody else and still do the job that he's supposed to do. Uh, what were some of your guys' thoughts on uh, uh, just the opening feel of uh, three as a whole here, uh, Terrence? Yeah, to piggyback, right, when you said that, like, it's got the classic Spider-Man feel. Like, when I was reading this yeah. uh, back in, you know, 94 or 90, end of 93, um, the Spider-Man was an adult, and he was married to Mary Jane, and it wasn't that same relatable high school kid that, like, people who, a generation before me were talking about they used to read. Uh, but this is, this this was like my Peter Parker Spider-Man you know, and um, I love the cover. It's cool because it's got the villains, but it's it's um, kind of in a different way. And then that first opening page, full on Robin, and something about that the second and third page where Robin is like jumping from the rooftop, um, and the way it's colored where he's in shadow. Mm-hmm. That I, I remember getting this and opening it up and just almost like taking my like breath away, like <laughs> like you really felt like you were <laughs> above it, and you were high up. And I remember thinking like. I could never do that. I could never be that high and swing. And, and there's something about that, those two pages that just, uh, that, that overhead shot right over his shoulder, jumping about to land on the criminals in the roof, man, that is, that is just amazing artwork. I, I love, love, love that, those two panels. Uh, Ryan. I, yeah, I love the way the issue opens, you know, it, there's just something about seeing like, these uh these characters in Gotham City and Snow and it's 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 just a great combination great feeling and yeah Andrew and Roy uh, those colors are just fantastic you know you get those cool silhouettes and those consistent colors I think it just really works really well and I just I just like you know the dialogue you know it's perfectly Robin and yet it, it's it's very tied to to this Robin to Tim Drake and it it just it just works really well. Um, I like, too, that we get uh, Stephanie's mom kind of, even though it was, I'm trying to remember what the story was before, I'm, I'm blanking on it, one of the last times we saw her before uh, Nightfall, you know, she's got a father that's, you know, a, a criminal, and her mother's a drug addict, but she says in the book, you know, you know, so my mom's not out on the street getting drugs, but she's going through the pharmacy, and Stephanie's mm-hmm. put in this weird place of, you know... She's having to care for her mom, but at the same time, she's an enabler by giving her mom pills from the medicine cabinet and what that's doing to her. So you can see, uh, you know, how she's conflicted as her own hero. And I just think that's beautiful writing on uh, Dixon's part that he just carries that as a through point for 
his entire run with a Stephanie Brown character that she's constantly conflicted of you know, she can't be happy. Tim can at least see the spots where he's supposed to be the good student and he's trying to make everybody happy and, and Stephanie can't see any of that. She's just flying by the seat of her pants because of the bad situation that she's in. And I think that's just that's beautiful storytelling in my book that you have these two characters that you really want to see get together, but you can tell there's there's no way that the two of them uh, can work, but somehow they, they manage to try and find a way uh, to fit those pieces together. Hey, you know, uh, I, I kind of remember Stephanie Brown's mom from the Brian Q. Miller Batgirl run, and I kind of forgot about this, and then when I opened it up, she, he he uh, he softened her up a little bit, and she's she's kind of mm. rough in this issue. Yeah. she's got like the cigarette and like the bag. Maybe she went through rehab or something. Yeah, she she looks like she's you know she she looks I, I don't know like she just partied way too much in the '60s and '70s, and now she was hurting. So uh, yeah, um, but I don't I don't remember she wasn't that she wasn't quite the um, pill popper um, chain smoker in the Batgirl run. Am I correct? Yeah, I I believe she wasn't. She was just more, just kind of messed up. Like you knew there was something wrong with her, but it really wasn't like, oh, she's a chain smoking pill popper, you know, <laughs> drug addict, you know. Yeah. You know what? That Batgirl run, that Brian Q. Miller Batgirl run, was pretty fantastic. I thought. Yeah, I I, I still had like ten issues left to read of it, and that are just in my backlog. But I remember the concept of that just being really good, where you had. You know, Oracle as like the the old previous Batgirl and the kind of like the general to the new Stephanie Brown being Batgirl. I thought that was just a really really good series. Yeah, I thought that was a misstep that that wasn't carried over into Rebirth. Yeah, along with Tim Drake having his series, even if they just would have combined the two yeah. again. Um, yeah, that that Batgirl one was really good, and even her interaction with Damien I thought was really really yes. good. That, like the world's finest stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had, that was, was really good. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, maybe Rebirth will start bringing some of that stuff back. Um, I, I also like the humor in here, and I I'm gonna butcher. <laughs> I'm always gonna butcher names in here. Um, uh, the Electrocutioner and uh, Clue Master's buddy, Kraz, Kruz, <laughs> whatever his his through his through line is like. When do I get my costume? When do I get my oh. costume? Zonk? Zonk, yeah, Zonk, yeah. Um, (laughs) The Baffler Master of Mysteries. I thought that was (laughs) really funny. And then, of course, that's translated into a joke from us. Uh, But uh, they really kind of laugh at him, and it's kind of poking fun just at the superhero genre in general, trying to come up with a superhero that doesn't seem lame and stupid. And, you know, you get one that's lame and stupid. I thought that was really kind of funny. The Electrocutioner going crazy that... He's not wanting to um, take his time uh, with Brown and uh, really almost kind of screws the pooch for them. So I just, there's just a lot that they're, that he's building into this issue that I think works very well. Um, and then, of course, we get the end here with uh, Tim going in uh, to the uh, series of rooms he's going through to check out to see what uh, the bad guys are doing and runs into... Uh, Spoiler, which I thought was really pretty cool to see her here. Um, I wasn't entirely sure as I started reading this that I knew Stephanie Brown was in here, but I couldn't remember if Spoiler uh, was in the last panel or not. I thought, oh, that's—I thought it was just going to be 
what I remembered was Tim getting kicked and then elbowed and then th- thrown to the bed. And I thought that's where the issue uh, ended. So I think I remembered it wrong. I thought you got the reveal in the fourth issue. But uh, uh, what I wanted to ask you guys, we got this really cool updated costume in Rebirth for Stephanie Brown. Spoiler. And looking at this spoiler costume, which do you guys like better? Do you like the new version of spoiler or do you like the uh, classic spoiler costume? Terrence. Oh, gosh, man, that that's uh, I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, can I say both? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that, that's an acceptable answer. Because <laughs> I, I really, 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 really loved the old spoiler costume. I loved how she was one of the heroes that you couldn't see anything of her face. Her entire face was covered. Um, The thing is, I don't think this 90s costume would work in the detective. It would seem kind of out of place. Um, It needs some kind of updating. And I think that I really like the new costume, too, because it's got a a little bit of a nod to the the Batgirl uh, run of Stephanie Brown. Now you can see her eyes and hair, which works good because you've got Orphan where you can't see any of her. And that would just look weird if you had two characters whose faces were completely covered. So I've got to say it's a tie between where they work best. And this one works best in the 90s and is awesome. And and the new one works best in a 2016 um, uh, uh, comic book. Ryan? I completely agree with what Terrence said. I mean... The, this costume works well for the 90s, and the new costume works well now. And what's cool about the new costume is it does, uh, you know, honor the legacy of the character. It still has some spoiler elements. It has some elements influenced from her bad girl run. And, and yeah, and I like the fact that now you can see her face because because you do want to have different visual identity and different visual language between uh, spoiler and orphan. So, yeah, it's good. Excellent. Um, I really liked this issue. I think this was a, a really good step up from uh, the previous issue, number two. Um, and uh, I, I really felt like with this one that it was back to full steam ahead, where maybe two took a, a little step down. Um, I shouldn't say in quality, because it was still really good. But uh, getting Stephanie Brown uh, back into the story and uh, seeing what uh, her father, the Clue Master, is going to be doing with his team is going to come to a head uh, in a couple issues from now, so I think that's really pretty cool. Uh, any final thoughts on here before we go to a couple uh, letters? Uh, uh, Ryan? Uh, there's a lot of really cool little moments in this book, and it's one of those things where you can tell when a book is firing on all cylinders when there's like little bits and pieces of, of the issue that were like, oh, that was really nice dialogue, or oh, that was a really fun scene, or you know that kind of thing. We can pick out a lot of those things. And there's a, there's quite a few things in here that I just thought were great. You know, humor-wise, it's poor Tim. It, it does kind of show that he's like the whole, you know, Peter Parker of the DC universe at this point when he's like, you know, he's trying to call Ariana or Ariana's calling him and. He's been out all day being and all night being Robin, and he could perfectly be like, yeah, let's go on a date, or I'll come over for dinner. But then right as soon as he could have the opportunity to say that, he sees the TV where there's a prison break with all the villains, and he's just like, oh, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he calls himself a weenie, which yeah. I, thought was like, like a, I thought that was a really like 90s thing to say. So I, so I thought that was kind of funny. He's like, I can just see that Tim Drake being like, oh, Robin, you're such a weenie. <laughs> Um, I loved when 
Shotgun meets Bullock. Oh, yeah. Shotgun Smith. I thought that was really great. Um, and seeing, because we had talked before about, like, man, Shotgun is really similar to Bullock. And then you see um, see them interact with each other, and it's just hilarious. And I love how some of these, like, how cinematic some of these things come across. Like, when you read it, I can totally see what that would look like on an you know, animated movie or on a film where um, when Bullock is like, or not Bullock, but when Shotgun is taking the Do Not Cross uh, police tape and stretching it across, like in front of Montoya's face, he's just like, this is my side of the street. Get on back to Gotham, Officer Montoya, while he's like stretching the tape out in yeah. front of her. He's like, I'm yeah. drawing a line and this is it. I thought that was really great. Um, and then he like throws funny. the... Her reply is hilarious, and then at the end of that panel, like, Shotgun is like, throws the tape away, and he's like, these losers do county crime, they do county time. And that is like, and that is like, and that one guy from a few episodes ago is like, probably rolling his eyes at the whole B-movie dialogue, but I think that's just so great, so much part of Shotgun's shtick, I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then there's one, (laughs) and then there's one shot later, which is just... I guess it's my sense of humor when Bullock is um, <laughs> when they're looking at the the Baffler's letter and Bullock is like trying to eat a jelly donut and he's like he's like who the hell ate all the sprinkles <laughs> for like who ate all the ones with sprinkles and he's looking and he, there's a panel where he looks at the donut like sad about his life because there's no sprinkles on the donut I would have loved it if he would have had like an emergency shaker of sprinkles in his jacket. It was like <laughs> sprinkling them, sprinkling them on in like the next frame, you know, it goes right in line with, you know, bullet can have a sh- uh, shaker of sprinkles and, uh, Gordon can have a trash can full of broken pencils, you know, from, <laughs> yeah. from our episode a few, few, few months ago. So, but yeah, it's just a really fun issue and it just, there's a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, Terrence, um, a couple things. I love the scene with shotgun, the coloring on it, where um, like almost everything in the foreground is in like a red issue, and the background is like a bluish dark purple. That that's really done well. And like Ryan said, the dialogue in that scene is great. And I still, we got to get together and do a review of uh, Detective Four Twenty Eight because yes. I enjoyed the heck out of reading that, and I've got a lot to say about that issue. So maybe we could like record something and put it on the YouTube channel or something because. Uh, yeah, that that was that was a fun trip back to the seventies um, with all the different <laughs> um, different lingo they used for different drug terms and stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. that 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 cracks me up. Um, the thing, the then the next scene, kind of all shaded in blue and dark with uh, Tim in the movies where he's really distracted. I mean, even without if you didn't read any of the dialogue. Um, you could tell what was going on just from Grummet's art, just from the way he does uh, all the facial expressions and, and makes a distracted look in Tim. I, I don't know. If somebody took, gave me a pen and pencil and said, draw a distracted look in someone, I'd give me a thousand years. I'd never be able to do it. I don't know how these artists do it, but it's amazing. Um, and this, this is what I really like is like, there's like real, real tension and real drama because you don't, know what's going to happen like is he going to screw up with ariana is he going to get caught is it where where will he be able to like make their date and make the 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 dinners and or things going to fall apart on him and that's it could go either way and you don't know like when when you read justice league and it's like oh this alien's coming and the whole world's going to be destroyed you kind of know it won't and they'll save the day but with this you, you really don't know i mean you don't 
it's it's kind of cool. It's got that drama. It's got that tension. So I really enjoy that. The Baffler, um, I felt bad for him when they all laugh at him. I was like, oh, the poor guy. I really felt bad for the Baffler. Um, and then, of course, the end just like makes you just want to read the next one. Um, just like when can this month be over quick enough so I can get the next issue? Yeah. Um, so, but luckily we live in the future where we can get all 183 issues. So. <laughs> Which I uh, posted on Twitter uh, yesterday. I am now down below twenty. I need twenty issues, and I'll have the complete run. So, oh wow! Wow! Yeah. I, I feel like I need to have a parade for myself. <laughs> Which that mm-hmm. sounds funny to do. I have one hundred eighty-three issues. And my yeah. wife will be like, "You have more than one hundred eighty-three issues to deal with." Um, Ryan, let's do a, a couple letters uh, that. Somebody might have written in uh, back in the 90s about this particular issue. Do you have any that uh, kind of stick out? Debail! Debail is here! Yeah, and these letters, let's see, are from one of my personal favorite issues of Robin, which is Robin 7, the conclusion of Nyquist. Um, okay, so this tail end of this letter talks about uh, the art, which uh, I think would be good because we, you were talking earlier, Rob, about Tom Grummet's art. Uh, let's see, this is from Mike Leonard in Cherry Tree, Pennsylvania. He says, Tom Grummet could be the definitive Robin artist. I have to admit that I was a bit disappointed when I heard that Tom Lyle wouldn't be doing the pencils on this book. I've been very impressed with Tom's work with the new Superboy. He knows how to draw teenagers as teenagers and not small adults, which I guess maybe could be a knock against uh, Jim Aparo or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> in a day when practically every hot artist is rewriting the anatomy textbook, it is nice to see a guy who can play by the rules and turn out some incredible work. When you, when dealing with a character like Robin, you have to have a realistic artist. Tom is the man. Last, I forget the folks who work behind the scenes like Adrian Roy and Tim Harkins deserve mention. The best compliment I pay a letterer and colorist is that I didn't have to complain about their work. It blended in, making the whole package a great read. I'll let you folks get back to work and unswell your heads. Robin has jumped right onto my must-read list after one issue. One question. Now that Catwoman and Robin have their own series, when are we going to see a monthly Joker title? (laughs) And uh, the response is, sorry, Mike, no Joker ongoing at the table. However, the Clown Prince is very much on the loose and will be popping up enough in the foreseeable future to make Gothamites very uncomfortable. Imagine going back in time and telling the guy, I'm from 25 years in the future and there's still no Joker <laughs> title, but but Harley Quinn has got four monthly titles. And just, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Just had like, who's yeah. Harley Quinn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. Who would have thought that that would have been the case? That Well, I think that it, it's because, you know, Harley Quinn – you can do more with a character that has a more ambiguous moral compass. I mean, they did have a Joker ongoing, and it was tough for them yeah. to keep it going. Hey, uh, real quick, too, Rob, because you mentioned it, I looked it up. Uh, someone the other day on eBay was selling uh, the entire run of Robin, because zero, oh, wow. one, one through one, 183, and all the annuals. Um, and I put a bid on it, but I was outbid at like I think a bit <laughs> thirty, and it sold for eighty eighty bucks plus. Oh man, that's a I steal! I want to say I think it was like fifteen or something for shipping. Um, but yeah, that's pretty great. The average price I've been paying for books, um, probably I'll say two bucks. Some maybe three, uh, some could be four. But I've been finding a lot this on this little vacation we took that I bought eleven books and I. Got them all for one dollar a piece uh, the, nice. from one shop, and then went to another one. I got a, you know, maybe a three or four dollar book here or there. But yeah, that that'd have been a, a really good deal to get all those plus the annuals. Some of the annuals can be thick, and those might be 
three or four dollar book sometimes at you know local comic shops. Wow, that would have been a good good steal to pick that up. Yeah. Uh, any more uh, letters there, Ryan? Yeah, see, I've got two more that I think are pretty good. All pretty right. short. Uh, Dear DC, Robin number three was fantastic. Once again, you guys leave me hanging at the end of the story. I like the way you make Tim and Ariana's relationship seem more realistic. Unlike the old Lois Lane, Ariana isn't buying all of Tim's excuses. Once again, Grummet and Dixon amaze with fantastic artwork and a great story. I laughed out loud at the Baffler Master of Mysteries. I liked the altercation between Bullock and Montoya and Shotgun. It was kind of sad seeing how the Clue Master's job affected his family, especially his wife. Keep up the great work. And then the response is, you should see the way the job of a comic book assistant editor affects the family. She's... <laughs> Uh, and uh, this last one this last letter I think is pretty hilarious <laughs> oh god um, dear Mr. O'Neill I love the new Robin ongoing series I've bought every number this far he is the most daring and downright attractive teenage hero there is and his <laughs> devastating good looks and robust physique were quite evident in Robin number 3 thanks to Tom Grummet and Ray Kreising however I do have a rather bizarre request for you guys, and please don't laugh. Show more scenes of Tim Drake switching to his alter ego, either through tearing open shirts to reveal his costume <laughs> underneath and the like. <laughs> There's just something so sexy about that, and up to now, every Robin comic has been missing such a scene. Although other titles featuring the boy Wonder, such as Batman 488, have displayed this, quote, changing scene in all its glory. <laughs> Just try to get Chuck Dixon to think of Robin's female readers as he writes The Boy Wonder's next adventure. That kid is one heck of a hunk. (laughs) (laughs) I got to wonder how old... And this is from Debbie Rudder from Sherman Oaks. I kind of wonder how old Debbie is here. What the the deal is. That's funny. Now, I could see that in the context of somebody going... Like, using BVS as an example, where he sees the... (laughs) The fight or the uh, the problem over in Mexico, where he turns to the camera and a buddy of mine was like, "I just want to see him rip open his shirt and do that." You know, that's the hero, su- yeah, the, the hero thing. So if she's doing it from the context of that, like he's in a school clothes and this looks like a job for Robin, so. rip open shirt, great. But if you take that to the point, I want to see him rip open his shirt, like, oh, whoops, I don't have a shirt on underneath this. Dun dun dun. Yeah, you know, that's the line that you're going to. Then maybe. You need to rethink the book that you're reading. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, this is some of the thing because he's like, he's the most daring and downright attractive teenage hero there is. Yeah. <laughs> Devastating good looks and robust physique. I'm just like, oh my god. But what's great is, and we'll get to this in Robin, Robin number seven, the the response is, is priceless. The response says, this issue's shower scene is hereby dedicated to you, Debbie. So in Robin, <laughs> so in Robin number seven, it literally had it has Tim Drake taking a shower. He's got his, his the top of his outfit off, and he comes out of the shower, and he's got his robust physique, and he's got a towel on, and all that, and he's like, you know, sweating and looking in the in the mirror and stuff. So I'm sure Debbie had a conniption when she read Robin number seven. That's funny. <laughs> That was a woman waiting for the Deviant Art website to, oh, <laughs> to come, you know, years before the internet oh. took off. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right, I think that's where we're going to put a pin in it for this episode. There was a lot to go through, so thanks for sticking uh, through with us. And uh, Ryan, where can the good people find you out there if they want to get a hold of you? Hold of hold of you. What do they want to get a hold of you online? <laughs> if they want to get a hold of you <laughs> online, the the good people can get a hold of me. 
online at uh, on Twitter at uh, SMB underscore Ryan. And uh, if you want to listen to more of me talking about Batman and the like, uh, you just listen to the Batman on Film podcast, and you can find that at uh, bof.us.com or on the Bad- Batman Podcast Network page at uh, batmanpodcastnetwork.com. Great. Thanks for doing this again, sir. And we will just keep your yeah. chair here, and we'll tap you on the shoulder and say, <laughs> hey, can you turn around for this episode? And you can either say, I'm busy, or you can say, I haven't left. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great, guys. I really appreciate yeah. it. Because each podcast, I'm like, with Ryan, I'm like, oh, I don't want to uh, ask him and be, like, annoying and be like, oh, there, this again. But then I don't want to, like, do it without him and him be offended. And he, like, gets his feet and be like, what? You didn't ask me? So it's kind of, you oh, know, yeah. thanks it's, for doing no, it. I, yeah. I appreciate it. And what's fun, it's it's just a fun thing to do. And I love the show and I love Tim Drake. And I, I feel like we keep coming up with with. I mean, it's, I like how I like how the show's growing, right? You've got your po- the podcast, but then you guys are doing the YouTube channel, and anything that I can do that kind of sparks some interest, you know, with the whole Shotgun Smith thing, and now we can do a whole special episode on just that. I think stuff like that is just great, and it just enhances the the whole you know experience. So I think it's just just really great. I think we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to do the Shotgun episode, maybe in between uh, a Detective Rebirth. Uh, part we'll just do a robin uh 90s book and then we'll look at the uh shotgun book because uh i was Mm -hmm. surprised i had never ever read that before didn't even know that book existed so it'll be fun to to talk about that but yeah thank thank you for doing the show sir as always you were you were always welcome and it's if you could just probably see terrence and i text back and back and forth like do you want to do you want to invite ryan yeah well i don't want to make him mad well what if we don't and like oh okay well you you text him no i'll text him you text him (laughs) (laughs) So, again, thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to the BatmanUniverse.net and hearing us talk about Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. We will see you guys in actually a couple weeks. We'll take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by the show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And we are also on YouTube. In the search engine in YouTube, just type in Robin Everyone Loves the Drake and it'll take you to our YouTube page. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, The Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care.
Send 